Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. Happy New Year. However you found us, we're glad that you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me tonight, we have Ryan and Kenny. Gents, congratulations on making it through another year. Ooh, Barely. We made it. Happy New Year. We're excited. Happy New Year. 2022 was a lot of fun and a lot of challenges and growing as a company and people and ready for 2023. Learned a lot in 22. We learned a heck of a lot in 2022, mostly about, you know, Laws, regulation, sales, distribution, and hopefully going into 2023, we can sort of refine that more and then get into better product development and all this other kind of stuff too. Well, before we get into that, because that that is the majority of what we're going to talk about today, we're going to do a 2022 year in review, talk pros, cons, what we've learned, what we look forward to doing. But before that, just talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, we we skipped last week and, and we had a couple of Behind the Pursuit episodes drop on your other podcast over there the Bourbon Pursuit podcast. So for anyone who's new, that welcome. Other one. <laughs> that, that other, other one. <laughs> that other minuscule podcast. So to everyone who's sticking around here on Behind the Pursuit, thank you. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for a majority of t- 2022. So we are kicking into the second year of this. So thanks for continuing on this journey with us. Uh, and, and I'd be curious just to, just to hear how you guys uh, ended the end of the year. I want to hear how the holiday season went. I want to hear how the, how some family time went. If you took any of that, you still, you're still working on taking some of that, right? Yeah. Well, that, that was the thing. I mean, you had mentioned how we didn't come out with an episode last week and how Ryan and I, we took two weeks off of this week in bourbon. Well, of course it made sense because there really isn't a whole lot of bourbon news that drops in the last two weeks of the year. That's when pretty much everybody just kind of goes radio silent for the most part. And that gave us an opportunity to kind of not record, take it easy, relax a little bit. But I also took that opportunity to work on the other 92,000 things that I end up doing as well. So I started doing some early Pursuit Palooza planning for this year and some other things that I kind of looked at and I said, these are the things that we need to hit on, need to take care of. So let's go ahead and get a laundry list of questions and things to do. So once people do get back in the seats at their daily jobs, we can go ahead and start knocking away of everything that is on the to-do list to make sure that we are prepared for 2023. But for the end of the year, yeah, it was good. Kind of took some time off being able to, to do that. But it was, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's hard for me to do that. I think Ryan and I still talked every single day, if not for multiple times a day. Uh, we went out, went out, we had a bowling day. We went out bowling one time too, to kind of just hang out for a little bit, talk shop and whatnot too. Yeah, I kicked his ass. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, we both did we both piss stopped, poor, but, but yeah, you, you did beat me in three games. We'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I was hoping Fred would show up because I really feel like we could have both pounced on him, but uh, <laughs> but he was a no show. But uh, yeah, same here. Uh, I actually went to Mexico with our family. I feel like the way the holidays fell this year, like because they were on like a Sunday and everybody got like either a Friday or Monday off. That basically for two weeks everybody was like, I'm not doing anything, and so everybody's just been like partying or family drinking like no no nothing productive has been happening in the last two weeks i feel like but it, it was good it was good reset and evaluate everything that's gone well you know a lot evaluate everything that's needs to improve and i'm yesterday i was working on some goals and just not even goals i'm not even a goal person i really like just like what habits or what things can i do going into next year to really capitalize on the things we want to achieve so that's kind of what i was kind of outlining I don't, I shouldn't say yesterday. Nobody knows when this records, but that's what, uh, that's what I was doing anyways. Yeah. How about you, Brian? Actually, I got a question for Kenny. He seems like the kind of guy who might be into this, but one of the things, so like you, I don't really have resolutions or anything like that, but one of the habits I I wanted to try and instill, I thought might make work more productive for me would be time boxing. Kenny, do you do this at all? Are you familiar with the concept? Where you'd say, I'm only going to answer emails at 9.30, 12 o'clock and 5.30 or something like that, where you sit there can, and you say, I'm not going to sit there and get sidetracked with all this stuff? I think so. I think there's still some learning I need to do. So I'm already starting off uh, the year on a bad foot. But essentially, you know, I'm really good. I, I like making to-do lists, and but I also prioritize and I also look at ease of getting done and expediency of getting done or, or priority lists, uh, you know, low, medium or high. But I guess this particular principle has you just making sure that you're filling your schedule to work on all the tasks that need to be done and and putting bits of time purposeful in all these specific locations so that you're actively working on the stuff in a given week. But, but like you said, still limiting some of that time. So it's only done in a certain time. So you're 
trying to maximize efficiencies, but also work on all things. So there's still a lot I need to learn on it. But that's one thing I, I feel like I want to try and instill because it's easy for me to, to tackle some goals and not the others. It's easy for me to work on projects without setting time specifically to plan for them. And I think doing some of that might uh, might bring into some interesting efficiencies in the new year. So we'll see how that goes. Well, let me know how it works out for you because I can always use the way to figure out even better efficiencies than I can come up with because right now I just feel like I'm going to tackle everything as soon as it comes in. And that's yep. sort of how it is. First in, first out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard because I've done time boxing and it's great because you can like really feel like you're focusing and you can eliminate all the distractions, but then like you pull your phone back up and all the things you've been ignoring, you're like, shit, all this <laughs> pile of shit just kept piling on. And so it's like that time boxing was stupid, you know, for this thing, yeah. but, uh, but it is good. Cause you, you, you kind of, and I'm kind of going to work on that as well. Cause I'm working on kind of some like SOPs and type documentation for my other businesses that I need to just do like a big brain dump and I have to like turn off the notifications and everything because otherwise I'll just go to the path of least resistance. And it's like you get that easy dopamine hit when you answer that email or that text. And so I got to be diligent about ignoring uh, the influx that comes in. But I'm, I'm still a work on progress in that, too. I like what Kenny does, too. It's just like a, I like as they come in and knocking them off because I don't like things building up. This well, is going to be a time management podcast. I know, right? <laughs> well, we'll. We'll go ahead and we'll change the subject back to back to the brand a little bit because during this time also we're we're fresh off of the Oak Collection launch party. So I showed up for a little bit of that. I wanted to kind of take some photos that we were able to use from that, but you all were were constantly busy the whole time talking with people. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit of the reception from from industry folk, from you know, maybe new folks who were there, family, friends who were there about um, you know, being able to try all the products. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the turnout. I mean, it was a lot more than I thought was going to be. It's always one of those things that I believe I talked to a few people that were, they were supporters of the podcast as well. And they came and started talking to us very early on. And we were, I was just basically saying, it's really hard to get people to show up in your backyard when you live here in Louisville, because it's, it's like, well, if I don't make it to this one, there'll just be another one next week because there's, they're flooded. You're flooded with bourbon opportunities around here of meet and greets and all this other kind of stuff. So I do want to just say thank you and shout out to everybody that did come. It's just a, it is an honor for you all to be there and have a chance to, an opportunity to be able to meet you all too. But we also had, as you mentioned, some industry folks were there. Uh, uh, you know, shout out to Monica Wolf over at EJ Curley. She stopped by and said hi. There was Lisa Wicker of the now town branch fame that she's going to be taking care of. There, of course, Stacy from Watch Hill. There was all kinds of people there from Kyle Henderson, the, Brian Gelfo, uh, there's John so Waddell, John Waddell. Yep, yeah, Timothy Van Riper. Yeah, I mean, there was there's a lot of good people that were there. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that did show up, and whether you're just blowing smoke up us or whatever. But I I feel that everybody did like the product at the end of the day. Uh, I hope they did because it was the only free product they got while they were there at the restaurant too. So I guess that makes up for it. But yeah, I mean, I think it was a overall a good showing. And I have to give a shout out to Tiffany, who's Ryan's wife, who basically did all our promotion for about 30 days straight through her friends and, and networking and stuff like that too. Yeah, she had a sign at her salon saying, just like written with a Sharpie and a piece of white paper, United Oak Collection Party. And Kenny was like, I guess we could call it a Oak Collection Party. <laughs> It was just supposed to be like a watch chill event, but she kind of took it. She's like, well, I did do marketing for college. I was like, well, you did a good job. <laughs> you were like, where are all the different oaks? I thought I was going to come see all these different oaks. A lot of people showed up. So, yeah. Yeah. People showed up. Yeah, I guess I guess that's one thing. Flyer parties might still be in, but you just got to put it in Sharpie on top of a board. <laughs> that's right. I was excited about it for the same reason that I am for upcoming tastings. Now that the oak collection's out, I was happy to see people who haven't experienced the brand at all before. You can start them on the flagship black label, gray label, whatever, whatever, you know, slate labeled. <laughs> I've been, we've been saying black. The flagship products and then allow them to see what the toasting does, which I think is a really nice way of doing it specifically with this type of approach that you all have taken to the finishing. I think it's a good way to kind of see the way that it amplifies that flavor, but still brings all the flavor that exists in the blends before. So I did that for a couple of folks. They seem to really enjoy it. So I look forward to being able to continue to do that at other stores or hopefully other folks uh, in in other markets will be able to, to do those demos the same way. But okay, 
enough about that. Let's let's look at this in review. You know, again, we've mentioned it already, but you know, we started behind the pursuit at the very beginning of 2022. And the ways that we looked at the market, the ways that we looked at the brand and the direction that you all were wanting to go, I think is probably similar in a lot of ways to where it is now. And there's probably some differences. There's There's been change. There's been things to learn. And there's obviously new products, plus, you know, where you all are going to continue to go with products in the future. So like we always do, let's just open it pretty wide span and then we'll we'll just see what it looks like. Yeah, I'll go kind of talk about just the podcast in general. The one reason why we kind of had this idea of all of us to start a podcast on yet another bourbon brand or the reason of doing this is because we already had a podcast. We already knew how to execute on it. We knew how to market it. We had an existing audience and we knew that we had the the capabilities to come and, and create a fun new product that I don't want to say it makes Ryan and I the stars of the show, but it, we we do get to elevate ourselves to another level because as part of Bourbon Pursuit, we're not the stars of the show. We we want to be able to bring people on that are icons inside the industry that other people can kind of get to, to do. But as we've been doing that over the years, our own status has been elevated to the point where people do take us seriously. And I'm very excited to be able to just continue doing this show because we get to give a more inside look at the industry. I've, as Ryan has said before, because we've started this brand, our bourbon pursuit has gotten immensely better in regard to the questions that we ask and how we're helping to educate more of the broader consumer market out there, more of our listeners. And we hope that they gravitate and start listening to this as just another resource of something to get another inside edition, inside news, just kind of get the hook on really what actually happens inside of building a bourbon brand. But it's not just building a bourbon brand. This is an opportunity for us to just talk about whatever comes to mind. Brian has been fantastic in trying to figure out the types of topics that are going to be captivating enough for us that allow us to be able to talk about. And soon we'll be able to talk about even more stuff because we're, we've got a lot of cool plans for 2023 where our education realm and knowledge is going to continue to grow as we start getting our own. I mean, we've already talked about a little bit, but we've got a, you know, a DSP ahead of us that we have to be able to get. And as a part of that, there's more laws, rules, regulations, hurdles, and everything like that, that we've got to learn that we'll be able to share going forward. So I'm excited to be able to kind of just talk about that more. But again, uh, this this podcast has been immensely great and we're excited to keep continuing to grow it and sharing more information with listeners too. What I've enjoyed about this show is that we can kind of just hash out and talk about what we're going through and kind of talk to Brian, who's in the whiskey community as well. A big fan of, you know, of what he's, you know, what he's got going on and just he, he's involved with a lot of folks in the industry and and fans as well. And we can sit here and just kind of hash out what we're going through. Like, and brainstorm. You know, it's not uh, us asking, you know, trying to build a narrative for someone else. It's just kind of us, I think, behind the scenes look, as Kenny had said. One of the fascinating things about, you know, entrepreneurs and their brands and their story is like the the, the overnight successes are not, that's not entertaining. The, the people that, you know, put in the work, do the hard work, fail forward and whatnot is what's captivating to me. And so I, I hope that we can share that from five years from now, if we do make it in this, you know, people can go back and listen to these and realize how hard it was and how hard we have worked and tried to build this thing because it's been a grind and, uh, but we love it. And, uh, I love talking about it and I think it's going great. I want to keep talking about it. <laughs> maybe they can, maybe we'll have so much content. They could chop it up into like a six-hour Netflix docu-series or something like that. Or just like a two-minute reel, probably. That's probably <laughs> Maybe that. it's all it is. That's all people have uh Here they are, Steven and the package, and it's out. Yep. I mean, it is true. The The medium of which we uh, get entertainment these days is pretty wild. It is either a short or, yeah, a series on Netflix. Like, uh, There's no such thing as the hour-and-a-half movie anymore. That 90-minute segment is dead. Yeah, it's like Rogan's this long-form no format conversations that go wherever. And then you got TikTok, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, like you said, there's no, like what, I have, what's a good 30 minute sitcom. I can't think of any. Also, Ryan, I will have you say, uh, you can't talk about whether you've, you, uh, will have made it, 
uh, in five years because your business plan is longer than that. So that's <laughs> true. You're obligated. You're, you're, what is it called? You're legally obligated to, to go longer than that. And one of the things that I've really appreciated about this particular show, it's something that I've been thinking about uh, for the last little bit. And, you know, it, it's a little bit of a separation, I think, with you guys as Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, because, you know, Bourbon Pursuit Podcast is grown to multiple things. You have the community and you all have your barrel picks and, and all of that, like that side of things for Bourbon Pursuit. But like you said, the primary uh, vessel with the podcast is you all taking taking that backseat as the interviewers and, and kind of just getting a behind the scenes of everything else going on in the industry. And there's nothing wrong with that happening. But I think when it comes to the pick side, I think that having supporters out there or people out there who who want to be a part of a group that trust rolls pallets for picks is great. You know, everyone I think should have a store, a group, something that they go to and they have access to really good, affordable whiskeys. They're saying, hey, we've gone, we've curated some of these things for you guys. But one thing that I appreciate about this podcast that I don't get all the time when it comes to Bourbon Pursuit or the picks is that I don't necessarily get to hear you all talk about flavor all that much. Now, while that's an important thing to me, I think that that helps, you know, one side of the narrative, which is who are the, you know, we we joke about it all the time about, oh, who are these tater podcasters, blah, 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 blah. But being able to hear what you all think about actually developing flavor, actually coming up with products that other people will also enjoy is kind of putting the... Uh, putting the mustard to the mayonnaise what are they what's that expression i don't know you put mustard on mayonnaise i don't know mustard to the bread <laughs> it's putting mustard on mayonnaise what are you talking about i think i think that being able to to see this side of things really helps to soften that a little bit again you're creating not only your own narrative through the pursuit spirits brand but it also puts that to it that you all have put time in here there there is a reason it's it just shows a side that you don't often get to see necessarily with the bourbon pursuit side. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Uh, Ryan specifically trying to see, especially this year, you know, we talked again about the launch party of the Oak collection. And on previous episode, we talked a little bit more about that development for you, but I would assume that there's more flavors and more releases and more things to be had in 2023 as well. Yes. I got five more years to go. So got you know, <laughs> five more years of releases, but you know, it's definitely, you know, with the Oak collection and, you know, blending in general, just trying to get better and figure out how the whiskeys that we have, you know, had made for us by our uh, contract distilleries um, and how the mash bills integrate, how can we use them to amplify the flavors that are there? It's just constant journey and tasting and blending and challenging myself to get new and exciting flavors. And one thing too, is that we're trying to also work on consistency with the United flagship. We've been kind of back and forth, like with, okay, is this going to be a consistent thing or is this going to be something that we blend, you know, different each time? Um, and so we're, we kind of went through like a little almost identity exercise in 2022, like, you know, with the batch codes, like, okay, do we want to be, uh, this, you know, like a barrel that has a different batch and it's different flavors every time, or do we want this to be something that's consistent and available? And that, that was our goal. And initially with this product was we wanted this to be a product for a whiskey enthusiast that they could always count on when they bought it, that, it was going to deliver consistent, good flavor profiles and they could always rely on it. And then, you know, the whiskey geeks were kind of like, well, we want batches and this and that. And then you're like trying to figure out, okay, well, do we make different batches? You know, what do we do with that? And so what was nice about the Oak collection you talk about is like, okay, let's see if how creative we can be with this and see how we the feedback we get on that. And maybe Oak collection can be kind of our nuance, you know, different batches, different experiments and whatnot. And so I think we've gotten some good feedback that United kind of needs to be, you know, kind of a consistent flagship product for us. And Oak Collection can kind of be our, you know, our play box, our sandbox where we can push ourselves in new flavor profiles. And so that's a challenge as a blender because it's easy to do one-off blends and come up with some crazy stuff, but trying to find consistency, that's going to be a challenge. And uh, I'm looking forward to that too, with us having our own facility moving forward that, well, we hope here soon that we'll take a lot of things that were out of our control that we've been relying on Bardstown Bourbon Company to do. And not that they had done a bad job or anything. We just want a little bit more control of the process. And 
so I'm excited, you know, moving forward, I'm going to be pushing myself to creatively and also consistently to provide good flavor profiles for the products we have outlined for 2023. Yeah. Uh, just echo exactly what Ryan said. It's been one of those things that it's, it was a, it was an identity issue to try to figure a few things out as a whiskey geek. A lot of us looked at it and said, well, of course you need different batches. Everybody wants something different. You want a, a big spread of different types of whiskeys to try. And so if you have different batches next to each other, they all taste different. You want to compare and contrast. And from a whiskey geek enthusiast perspective, that sounds amazing. It sounds great. It sounds incredible. But that doesn't, we're, we're forgetting two other very important layers that are into this mix. And that is the retailer as well as the distributor. The retailer and the distributor, they don't really like that model because they want something that is can be is good and is consistent because you know that when a, and, and I guess for uh, the majority of the consumer market too, they they gra- they gravitate and they look at what other people are talking about. They go and get those bottles because what other people say and that they're good. And they're not the ones that are chasing after certain batch codes or lot numbers or whatever it is. They just hear it's good. And so I think that's what we looked at and said, well, what we need to do is we need to spend probably the next two years as we have some barrels that are changing out of different mash bills and different formulas and whatever that we can start blending more towards a consistency. And it's going to take a little while to get there. And it's as Ryan said before, there's a lot of factors that are out of control. We will try to blend it consistency as much as possible. But as we had mentioned before, when we put down our barrels at whatever distillery that we're contracting with or we're partnered with, we don't get to say, oh, we want it in warehouse Z and floor four, middle row. We don't, it, they, they could be literally anywhere on any campus. And as Anybody that listens to this, you know that whiskeys are going to differ just because of aging environments and its location and everything like that. So it's going to actually get harder for us going forward to be able to make sure that we have that consistent process and the consistent product that we can put out there. But I'm kind of looking forward to that, to be able to have something that's going to be out there. But I think Ryan said it batch. I know, I know we, had, we had batch codes on it and maybe we should just call it born on dates because that is essentially what it's going to be at the end of the day. It's not going to say we're going to start creating different batches. We had to kind of change our marketing message. That's one thing that we we came away with at the end of the year to make sure that we start looking towards our distribution partners, our retail partners, the ones that are going to know about this because for us to go through and have every single batch be a new unicorn and to go through that education hurdle, that's something that we're not scalable and just can't do. But if we can do it one time and do it really well and it's consistent over and over again, I mean, it's the same thing. You'd look at Old Forester 1910, 1920. I'm sure you can get a few different bottles from two years ago and compare it to today. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit different. But for the most part, people look at it as a 1910 has a certain profile. 1920 has a certain profile. So I look at that as analogous to probably what we're trying to create with the flagship United, but then what we're going to be able to do is utilize that Oak collection for some more experimentation and kind of other things that we want to just throw at the wall. Ryan, I, the other day when, when we were all messaging back and forth, you had mentioned that you were uh, tasting some products with some folks who were new uh, to the whiskey industry. And you were, you know, I won't, I won't get into it cause I'll let you talk about it, but you were talking about that experience I'm kind of curious to see if things have changed um, since since the inception, where you're at, uh, even to what the point that you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago about being a product for whiskey enthusiasts to be able to go and have kind of an exciting flavor profile. What where do you really see, or has it changed? Do you think it's going to change with the the group that you think will have the most aha moment with this particular product? Do you try and straddle the line between? I want a product that meets both people where they're at. Or are you hoping that more people come into the whiskey enthusiast mindset and then, you know, approaches uh, pursuit spirits or, you know, where, what do you keep in your mind when you're tasting through the product, when you're working on these batches or when you're working on the Oak collection, are you, are you leaning more towards, you know, this group of, uh, of new comers to the, to the whiskey sphere versus, yeah, I mean, obviously, the goal initially was, you know, whiskey enthusiasts, whiskey geeks. But I think the new consumer, and I noticed this the other day, even if they're not into whiskey or just getting into anything, they want to cut to the, the quality and the, the new, unique, even though they haven't had it. It's like even me, like if I'm getting into something, 
I'm like, I don't want the everyday available product. I want, I want what the pros have, or I want what the, you know, the, the people that know the insiders, what they know. Like if I go to a new city, it's like, I'm looking for, I want to know where the locals eat, not where the tourists eat, you know? And I think that's just the new consumer getting into bourbon and just in general with, you know, social media and, you know, Yelp and whatnot. And so we want to appeal, we want to be this brand that's, you know, kind of new, exciting, but innovative, but not the same as classic six brands that are out there um, on the market. And so we want to appeal to whiskey geeks, but we also want to appeal to people that we're not just more of the same. We're, we're something new and exciting in this category that has been pretty stuck in its way for 200 years, you know? And I think that's what we can appeal to because a lot of people getting into this are still probably 25 to 40 years old. And, you know, they're looking for quality. They love spending money on things that are going to bring an experience. They're going to be something that's memorable and they want something that's cool fresh and unique. And so that's, I think where we can find a niche that if somebody comes to Louisville, Kentucky, you know, and they say, it's like if I went to Napa and I go to Robert Mondavi or Louis Martini, or those are like, you know, everyday brands that you can find on the shelf all the time. That's not exciting to me. I want to go to the mom and pop winery. And there's not really, you know, with whiskey, there's not really that many brands out there that, that, that are, you know, like say like the prisoners or nickel and nickels of the, you know, that of the wine. I think there's an opportunity for brands like ours that can fill those niches that like of high quality, innovative, unique, and exciting, you know, and just not more of the same. Just to tack something on there to what Ryan said. There's one of the things that we've we've mentioned it. I maybe I've mentioned it a thousand times. The only reason any whiskey becomes popular is because of and it's literally not just whiskey. It's absolutely everything. Is you have the early adopters, which are the whiskey enthusiasts, who then it's it's the it's the total bell curve. That's all it comes down to. And so you have to appeal to the whiskey enthusiasts because they are the ones that are out trying to find the new because everybody else is already, you know, everybody's chasing for blands. Nobody, the whiskey enthusiast doesn't chase for blands anymore. While everybody else is doing that, they're going and looking for something else. And so once they latch onto something else, then everybody else starts following that way. And then they go and try to find something different. That's just the nature of, of early adoption and the, the bell curve theory in general. So if we have to, and not to say we have to, I think that's the right thing to do. And that's why we came to 108 Proof. That's why we did what we did, how we're not more of the same. And that was the idea is that we first want to appeal to our audience, whiskey enthusiasts. And I feel that we're still in the right realm of needing to do that first rather than the general public, because we've done in-thor tastings before. And I don't lead and say, oh, this is 108 Proof because most people are going to shy away from it. Because most people are accustomed to 85, 89, 90, 93 proof or whatever it is. So our idea is that we need to go ahead and we need to have people try it. And then they say, oh, oh, by the way, it's 108 proof. They go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And maybe it's one of those things that say, you know, we treat, we pretty much tailor to a whiskey enthusiast audience. And maybe they look at it and go, you know, maybe I want to be one of those people. And we can start gravitating people towards that way. I, I just think that for... Any, any time to get that, that that first little bite is that you have to be attracted to those early adopters. And those are the ones that are going to help you launch a brand and kind of get it going. Those, those are going to be your, as Ryan said it before, those are be your first real true 1,000 fans. And from there, you can build onto it from there. From a product development side, I definitely cater to the whiskey enthusiasts because I want them to enjoy this. I want them to be the ones talking about it. I want them as the ones to give the good reviews because that's who we were when we started, you know, we were the, we're the gatekeepers for other brands and we know how hard it is to put a product out there and to make it past our palates to where we can say, this is good. And we know how tough the palates are of the whiskey geek is. And so we have to develop a product that's going to meet their standards first. And then, but from a marketing message, we have to develop it to, to get new, new people to try it too. And so it's, that's where it's hard, you know, and that's where we're trying to figure out you know, our identity going into 2023 is like, you know, who are we and what are we trying to accomplish? And are we a whiskey geek only brand? Are we, it's, there's a lot of questions we got to figure out, but from a product development standpoint, yes, it's always going to be geared towards winning over the whiskey geeks because that's who we are. And we know the power 
that they can have long term for you. And two, a big lesson we've learned, and I was probably naive, you know, I think we had an episode about, you know, the importance of marketing and packaging. And I think I said, like, I don't know if it's that important. If you got, you know, really good whiskey and this, I think that'll take care of itself. I was totally wrong. I was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Consumers, and I'm one of them because I fall trapped to it. We're dumber than we think we are. You know, we're, we're, we can, marketing works like marketing stories. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. A box, a horse, a a horse, uh, you know, toasted this or (laughs) uncut, unfiltered that we're all suckers. And, uh, you just realize that it does work on people and you, and you want, that's what we got to figure out is like, what's our message going to be and how do we be authentic and not just like lure people into the what's working for other brands. I don't know. That's that's the challenge we're going to have moving forward is how can we relate to people? It actually plays into a, another question that I, where I was going, which is, you know, over the course, we've talked about other brands. We've talked about, you know, um, where you all in the mar- are in the market throughout the year on the podcast. But from the beginning in 2022 to where we are uh, now, the beginning of 2023, have you all seen the market change in, in such a way where you all feel like it's it's easier or harder to stand out? I mean, you all already knew brands who were out there or or products that were out there, but do you see some stuff and you say, you know, we gotta we gotta kind of step up in this way to to continue to to compete in the sphere? Are there things that you've seen throughout 22 that just has you kind of rethinking? Um, you know, the, the brand in general. Yeah, I think there's definitely been a big change in market perception, should I say perception in the market, as well as just overall brand entrants that are getting into it. There's always going to be a, a steady flow. I feel it's going to slow down a lot in 2023. And the only reason is that is you're not going to have new people that are going to be able to go out and buy a bunch of aged stock of barrels and put out, I mean, I was going to say it's not going to be good quality whiskey, but it's going to be really hard to come out with more four to six year whiskey at the prices that they're currently at and have to be a hundred to $150 on the shelf. I just don't see a lot of those players that are going to come out to there in regards of just the, the market in general. I think the, the consumer is starting to pull back a little bit. We at the very, at the, in 2021, probably very beginning of 2022, people were still going out, buying every pick left and right, whatever they could find. And I think we're starting to the point where People have big collections. They have more bourbon than they can probably ever drink when it comes to the Whiskey Geek. They've gone out and they've bought, overbought to the degree that they're probably pulling back. And now the only thing that they're going to buy is if something gets crazy reviews or has some sort of word of mouth or has some other crazy ass finish on it, like Amarana that people are just now learning about and want to get their hands on. I think that's just going to take some, some crazy little things that people are going to want to, it it just has to be something that has to really be out of left field that people are going to want to gravitate towards. I I don't know how many more people on the market are going to be looking at just a straight bourbon whiskey going, okay, I'll give this one a shot, especially from a whiskey point of view. I think it has to have a story. It has to have something that is going to, bring them into it. Nobody's just going to take, I mean, shit, we've all walked down the aisles of Total Wine and looked at all this and go, what, who Who are these people? Where did all this stuff come from? And I don't think people are taking a, a chance on a lot of that stuff. I mean, I know I wouldn't take a chance on it because Evan, we're in the goddamn industry. Like we have, we have the largest whiskey podcast and I'm walking through there and I'm like, I've never heard any of these brands before. So that I look at that and I, I say, I don't know how some of these brands are going to survive unless they just have really amazing Facebook, Instagram, t- you know, digital targeting or something like that. But there's going to be a lot of brands out there that I, I look at and I say, there's going to be really hard for them to survive if they don't have the means of getting it out to, you know, tens of thousands of people relatively quickly. I just, I think those would be really hard to, to keep going. You know, Kenny said definitely people are drawing back on their purchases, you know, back in COVID and 2021, you'd go to the liquor store and you'd, thought you were never coming back. So you would just buy, you know, <laughs> buy whatever, buy whatever, you know, just stock your pantry and bar full for whatever reason. Yeah. And then the picks, I mean, we see it, the single barrel picks. I mean, unless you're, you know, obviously Russell's or four roses or, you know, those major ones that, you know, it's like, how many more MGP picks do I need? How many more of this do I need? It's like, you know, that people are 
getting fatigued, I think, by the single barrel picks. I still think there's a place for them if you have something good and unique, but I don't know. It's a fascinating time. You know, there's a lot of economic uncertainty. You know, I think you see people uh, with inflation and whatnot kind of holding on to their dollars, but maybe not. I don't know. The shopping mall still seems pretty crowded. (laughs) and um, (laughs) The movies were... I went to see Puss in Boots or Puss in Boots, whatever you call it. I don't know. Puss, I think it was completely Puss. sold out for, and I was like, for Puss in Boots? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and people have their popcorn, you know, they're all spending 50, 60 bucks. And I'm like, and I went to Malibu Jackson. It was completely full. And so, but I don't know. 2023 is going to be an interesting year. I think one thing we learned tremendously is that we thought our customer was the end consumer. And I don't think that's the case. Our, our number one con- con- customer is our distributor, and we didn't realize that. And we're learning that how important relationships are with distributors and having connections and, re- and goals and whatnot and always stay in constant communication because at the end of the day, they are your customer and they're the ones responsible for getting your products on shelves and getting it in places it needs to be so that can be a brand that people recognize and um you know that's one of the things we've learned tremendously this year and um just stuff we didn't we had no idea (laughs) that you know that just we're naive it's like oh you want to carry our brand you're going to do right by it and put it on the shelf and sell it right and they're like oh yeah and then they don't and (laughs) you know and that's whose fault is that it's you know, maybe theirs, maybe ours, but, uh, you know, it's definitely learning that our first and foremost, our number one customer is our distributors. And we have to work really hard in developing and growing those relationships because they're with the three tier system and how screwed up it is. That's, that is what it is. And we got to work it. We got to, we got to play the game. Make a mental note for that, Brian, next time we'll have a conversation on distributors and our thoughts and learnings over the past six months. What have you seen, Brian, in the whiskey community as far as purchasing and stuff? I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast before or if I just had a side conversation with somebody about it. But even as a a consumer myself, and maybe this is propelled by the fact that we live in Kentucky. However, I've even thought about when you're new into the market, when you're new into the industry in terms of like a, a bourbon connoisseur, or uh, a bourbon geek, you obviously want to try and absorb as much information as you can in, in all the things that are coming out. But there are there is just so much coming out all the time. It seems like every day there is news about a new release of something somewhere. And it it seems like a slow and steady burn that you just, there's no way you could ever keep up with it and not that you have to it just seems like you end up getting torn in almost too many different directions of what you want to do you know i know there are a lot of people who are like i don't do anything with the secondary market everything i do is available on the shelf pours that's that's an avenue there are people who are like i'm trying all the craft stuff because it's not the legacy brand there's innovation happening here that's another lane there's the 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 Buffalo Trace Lane, everything they do is gold. I'm going to stick with everything that's that, that, that they're putting out, even if it's hard. Then there's a camp of any particular distillery that you like. There's there's just still so many different directions. And then also you have all this innovation you're talking about with finishing, with toasteds. And I think we know there always will be products that come out. Maybe you all can talk about what this looked like, you know, five years ago or something. But we know there always are are going to be products coming out. I just feel like now it's very difficult to know who to trust. It's very difficult to know, are you going to get a good product unless you try it first? Because there's so much stuff and there's so much variance to that. Case in point, Starlight Distillery. You know, I was not a humongous fan of Starlight at the very beginning, only because I had tried stuff that had a a bunch of different results and I've been there and the pick experience is great. Their hospitality is off the chains. The, the variety of flavors you can get are, are, are end to end vastly, you know, different than what you can get at other places. But it's also because of that, that I would always recommend to somebody, you have to either try it first 
or trust who it is who's suggesting you buy this, be it be it a store, be it a group, because it's all over the place. And when everybody and every group and multiple groups and influencers and stores are all trying to get you to buy whiskey, it's hard really, I think, nowadays to figure out, what do I do? Where do I spend my money? And what what do I what do I add if there's something that I need to add? Because I think the biggest gap maybe that we see is that it's probably very difficult for more people to break into the bottom shelf area. You know, even with what Kenny was just saying a little bit ago when he was talking about, you know, things that you see on the shelf and, and new names and whatnot. The thing that I thought about, because I'm I'm right now going through some of my wrap-ups of the year and my my tops in various categories. But last year, I did a top list of available whiskey. And I thought to myself, this will not be a list I'm able to keep up with because I don't think there's a lot of available whiskey that changes all that much. Whatever I like that is available, there aren't usually very many new brands to add to that, which as a spoiler to anyone who who, who watches my videos on that, th- this is the same here. I think the only two bottles that entered that market, for me at least this year, would be, let's say, the Jack Daniels Bonded and Green River. These are the only two products I thought kind of broke into that really affordable price range. But I, you know, I don't even know where you'd put Green River on that. It's not a legacy brand, it, but it's not a craft brand either. Um, Jim Bean obviously is a legacy brand. So it, you know, if you we were to start seeing some craft brands that didn't taste grainy and young, that is under $30. I, you know, that's going to do something. So there's an inherent problem with that, though, is that you're never going to see a a craft brand or anybody like us that can make a product under $30. Correct. Right. It's it's impossible. Like it's, it's, it's economically impossible. Even when we get to the point where we have put down our new fill barrels and we are getting, and I'm just being overly transparent here, we're making more margin than we're making margin now because of we're using the, the cost of what it is versus new fill versus age product, we still can't sell it for $30 a bottle that it's just, it's economically not going to work out. And so there's, there's just no way that anybody can do that because the big boys have all had time and economic, you know, economies of scale. So unless, some, unless you're putting out a thousand barrels a day, which of course, Green River, I don't think they're doing a thousand, maybe it's a couple hundred, 500, whatever it is still they are able to hit those economies of scale relatively quickly. And that's how they got there. So unless you've got a couple, uh, I don't know, we'll say half a billion to maybe throw at the, the equation there, maybe not even that quarter billion to throw at it and be able to have some sort of relative scale relatively quickly. That's the only way that you can get to that, that price point. But the other thing is, is we've said before, like, like 75 is the new 35. I think that's what's we're going to see within the whiskey market. A lot of people aren't really reaching for a lot of $30 bottles right now. I think the only people that do is one thing that you mentioned, the people that stay in that Buffalo Trace lane. All the power to them. They make great products at a relatively affordable price. The only thing that I could, and I love, the one thing I do love is that the fact that they are getting more people into the category because the only time we ever see any pictures of drops or limited release stores that are opening up at 9 a.m. Like here's what's on the table. It's 90% Buffalo Trace that's on the table. So they're getting more people into the category. And I think the good thing is that once people go and they try those, the same thing's going to happen. It's good whiskey, but you're going to go, okay, I've had this. Now what's next? And that'll help expand that even further. If it was my druthers, what I hope even what would happen more is that they, you know, I know they've already ramped up production a lot, but if it got to the point where it was five, six years ago where Eagle Rare was always on the shelf and nobody was talking about it, we're going to hit that point again too. It's just going to take a little bit more time to get there. And I think that would be the best case scenarios with the point where people aren't talking about it as much, but instead you can let other brands shine through. But right now, Buffalo Trace is doing everything right in regards of, of, marketing, uh, consumer demand and everything like that too. So you got to, you can't fault them for that. Because with bourbon, I'm kind of, I, I can't like trust my judgment on it. Cause we're so like <laughs> ingrained and entrenched in it. And like, so like, I really try to relate what consumer, my consumer habit is as a wine purchaser 
for my wife. Like, okay, what do I do? I'm, I don't want like the everyday wines, but I want something that's new and unique, but I want something that I trust. And it's like, and I find myself doing that. Like I'll go to Total Wine or Party Bart and I'll talk to the people and I'll say, I like these flavor profiles. Give me something new and exciting. And then the ones I find, I'm consistently purchasing them every time, like when I go back. But I'm also trying new ones as well. And I don't know. I think that's where maybe consumers could be, maybe in the whiskey space. Is like you start off with the Buffalo Traces, like Kenny said, and the everyday brands, but then you get kind of, you know, bored and fatigued by them. But it's hard to be more premium than Buffalo Trace because they have some really premium whiskey. But I guess products that live up to that without that you can try that live just have just as much flavor and they're just as on par with Buffalo Trace, but it's not the name that you're getting, I guess. Yeah. And I think, I think where the challenge is, is that as there's so much change, as things keep, keep growing and and while that dollar, that price point changes, you know, I think in the like $50 price point, it's easy to try something to see, do I like this? Do I like the direction it's going? Cause like, as a lot of people have said, you know, the best bourbon has still yet to be made. So it's like, I'll try stuff. But if we start putting that, uh, that price point into the hundred, hundred and fifty dollars all the time, I think a lot of people are going to be really timid to say, I don't know, I got to have a surer bet than this. You know, it's going to be tricky for me to just go in and say, 125 is is my new norm. And I think that, you know, I think that's where some brands are. Uh, and I think it's what has slowed down people in general. It's like, I can't buy 10 store picks of, you know, whatever, if the, if the pick is $119 a pop, it just slows people down a little bit too. And then say, you know, oh, maybe I'm fine on mine, or maybe I need to wait until I'm till, till my bottle is gone, not almost gone before before upping that. So it's just interesting to kind of see where people go. And it makes me curious to see, you know, what's going to continue to happen. Good point. 75 and under is like, you feel okay to take a chance, but it's, it's like hard when it's over a hundred. Like I love four gauge products. They're fantastic, but I could only afford to buy <laughs> a couple a year, like one to two. I can't spend two, $300 a year on one bottle on taking a chance on it. You know, that's, that's, that's tricky. It signifies the importance of staying in your lane, staying true to who you all are and where you all are going. So, you know, on that note, you know, where where are you all going 2023? What are you what are you looking forward to? What are you what are you hoping based on, you know, where the brand was this past year that you're you're looking to continue to 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 stay in the lane of or or push, you know, further into with the brand in 2023? Yeah, it's a good way to start wrapping this up a little bit. And we had already kind of hinted at our our product development pipeline a little bit. So I, I think we, we've kind of put that one out there. I'd already mentioned the DSP process. So yeah, in 2023, you're going to see some, well, maybe not announcements of some warehouse, but maybe some other announcements of uh, some of the other cool things that, that we have, maybe more consumer-facing type of things. Last year in 2022 was also the Pursuit Road Trip Tour. I don't plan on doing so much back to back to back like I did uh, in such a short period of time, but instead we'll be looking at doing more of these, uh, definitely having pursuit as going to have a bit much bigger presence at whiskey festivals across our distributed States and not Ron and I might not even be Adam. I think one of the cool things that we've done is we've launched a brand ambassador program and making sure that we can enable those folks to be our representatives at not only just festivals, but across stores in our states that they can do in-store tastings and everything like that, that help, again, just propel the message of the brand to people that aren't podcast listeners. And if you are interested in becoming a brand ambassador and you want to get paid to drink whiskey, make sure you send me an email. I can go ahead and hook you up and give you all the information to do that as well. So putting our, our efforts in more of sales and marketing, I think is going to be one thing that we are going to put a bigger emphasis on in 2023, just because those are the things that we need to help build this brand in in the short term. I'm excited. Fine tuning, you know, our product development side, we talked about that. We got a lot of things in the works that we won't fully disclose tonight, but we will be soon that I'm just really pumped about that I think will be great for our brand. There's There's just a lot of moving pieces that I'm just ready to like move forward with that we're just kind of been sitting on and waiting and and two i think i'm excited about 23 because we just learned a ton in 22 about 
how the this game works and i'm excited to you know i think we got a really good plan i think we got a really good product and i think we got a captivating story to tell and it's just figuring out how do we establish our identity within the market and really build that connection with people because i think i think we we have those three things we have a good product we have a good price and uh we have a good story and i think I think we just need to capitalize on that moving into 23. And so I'm, I'm just really excited about that. Is there been any progress on you all coming up with that five to seven word phrase that sums <laughs> I, up? I need it desperately because at Watch Hill, I was like, you know, you give this spiel and you're like, gosh, I just got to fine tune it even more. You know, it's like you get telling your story. It's because it's a fascinating one, but how do you tell it in a, you know, under like two to three minutes? It's really challenging. We need to do it in under 15 seconds. I think that's the next thing. But exactly. put, put that on the, the goal list of 2023. Come back to us in December, and we'll see if we have that. That's right. I was yep. working on one. Now, Ryan, what do you think about this one? Delicious whiskeys made better with Ambarana. Six words. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what everybody else says right now. So <laughs> you, you, you pick a brand, they got it. <laughs> next will be Kentucky Malt Whiskey. Here you go. Pursuit American Single Mall. I'm <laughs> ready right. for it. Exciting episode. Great way to start the year. I'm glad to be back here. I uh, hope you guys are too. And listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for making 2022 such a great year for Behind the Pursuit. We're excited to continue to push through 2023, see where the brand goes, and continue to dive into some of these interesting tidbits that go on behind the scenes for Pursuit Spirits brand. If you all have questions for us, if you have podcast topic ideas you want to hear about, if you have questions about this topic specifically, podcast at pursuitspirits.com we'd love to hear from you interact with you guys and potentially get some of those podcast topics into episodes here in 2023 guys thanks again for jumping on the podcast with me till next time everybody have a great start to your new year and we'll see you all later doodles <laughs>